Everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Paul Johnson, and we are The Last Nighters. You can find us on the uh, Liberty Movement's YouTube channel. You'll find the show notes and more at lastnighters.com slash 168, as we're going to be talking about John Favreau's Chef from 2014. And this is a recommendation by our friend Jared Wall of Breaking Liberty and Anarcho Land, who has been on with us several times in the past, including movies such as Gold and uh, the uh, Breaking Bad movie that came out recently. Uh, you were on for Hotel Rwanda and... There was uh, another thing right around gold. I want to say we had you back, like back to back. Captain Phillips maybe was a thing. I really should go back through our catalog right before we do an episode and make sure I have all the notes in front of me because I'm like, I think I, you, I think you hit all of them. We did three idiots too. Oh right, three idiots was the most recent one. So welcome That's back, right. Jared. Why don't you uh, suggest where people can find you now that you're lo no longer on social media and uh, all those such things? But uh, are you still writing and do you still have uh, content for people to? Uh, to read and be persuaded by? Uh, I haven't really written too much. Um, I've actually been working on a project uh, with um, uh, a fellow traveler in the libertarian world, uh, putting together a, a book about um, nuclear weapons and nuclear war, but that's not exactly ready to, uh, to talk too, too much about yet, but um, it's a cool project that I've been working on. But yeah, I mean, my, my work from the past is still available at breakingliberty.com. Um, it's uh my my uh, my favorite TV show of all time, Breaking Bad. I kind of went through and just wrote a whole bunch of essays, trying to pull libertarian um, Austrian economic themes out of that show. Uh, so I've got actually two uh, free eBooks available for download at BreakingLiberty.com. Um, I've also got some other stuff at uh, at AnarchoLand.com. Um, and my most recent publication was at actually uh, Scott Horton's Libertarian Institute uh, org. Um, where I wrote a, a piece about Rwanda, which is uh, uh, one of the reasons why uh, we talked about Hotel Rwanda um, a couple of episodes ago. So that's all. Um, that's all. Uh, what leads us to here today, I suppose. All right. Well, very good. And I know that uh, we had a couple of different movies in mind, and you landed on this one because of Robert, who works in a uh, like a pop up style restaurant, a, a Thai restaurant. That yeah, I, I mean, I definitely. Um, I knew Robert would have a, a nice uh, connection to the movie, but I mean, even aside from that, it's just one of my favorite movies. I've watched it a number of times. It's probably, it's probably honestly in my top five uh, favorite movies. I really like this movie. It's one of those really feel good movies. I love the soundtrack. I love the music. I'm a sucker for a good musical montage. And this movie's got at least a couple of them. Um, I like John Favreau. I think Sofia Vergara is very underrated uh, as an actress. And I think the, the uh, kind of the, the way it presents entrepreneurship um, is something that could be very attractive. This is a movie that you can watch with young people, you know, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12, 13 year olds. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, there's no excessive reason why any young person shouldn't. And it could inspire a young person to, you know, maybe pursue a, a different path than the, the normal one. They see that, you know, Hey, following your dreams can, can lead to something good. I mean, even though there are, the movie definitely lacks in showing the dark side of the government regulations and the food industry, um, which I definitely am excited to talk about. Not only that, but the movie is also kind of like a commercial for Twitter, which kind of annoys, annoys me. <laughs> um, it was back when Twitter was actually like useful. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess. If it ever was. Yeah. Um, but no, I love the movie, and I mean, I'm glad that uh, we've got uh, somebody in the food industry to talk, you know, kind of share 
real world insights into it. Uh, but I mean, there's the, the movie shows a lot of really good examples of, you know, voluntary and mutually beneficial transactions, things like that. So, um, and, and entrepreneurship in general. So I really like the movie for a number of reasons. All right. Very good. Well, I, I appreciate you being here and we'll of course have links to all of your previous appearances and Anarcho Land and Breaking Liberty on the show notes page for this one. And uh, how we usually start this off is with the old Google description. So I'm going to pull that up now in my old man ways that I do. So here we go. Chef came out in 2014. It's rated R. I think it has uh, a lot of curse words in it. So maybe you're um, coming about the eight, nine-year-olds. They probably heard all those words, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's on the uh, the old Netflix now, though I didn't have it. So I bought this movie, made it available to Robert and myself for the low price of $5 plus theft. And um, we both got to watch it. So it got a 7.3 on the IMDb, 87% Rotten Tomatoes. 68% on the uh, Metacritic and 90% of Google users like it. The description reads, after a controlling owner, played by Dustin Hoffman, pushes him too far, Chef Carl Casper, played by John Favreau, quits his position at a prestigious Los Angeles restaurant. As he tries to figure out what his next step should be, he finds himself in Miami. Carl joins forces with his ex-wife, Sofia Vergara, best friend, John Alberto Leguizamo, and uh, son, MJ Anthony to launch a food truck business. And the venture provides a chance to reignite his passion for cooking as well as his zest for life and love. Came out in uh, May of 2014 in New Zealand. Director's John Favreau, budget of $11 million. And uh, it's a pretty decent movie, I think. It's uh, got some pretty big name A-listers making some cameos in here. we got the Scarlett Johansson. Uh, and if anything, the lesson that I learned from this is you can be a disheveled, um, overweight guy, but as long as you've got uh, the big pee-pee, and that is... Uh, passion and uh, personality you can get the the hot chicks uh, robert what's your opening salvo on that yeah sofia vergara and scarlett johansson both lusting after john favreau i mean this is another fantasy film much like last week when we talked about a devoted woman this movie features another fantasy trope of the schlubby guy that has these smoking hotties that are somehow attracted to him i mean yeah i i guess maybe i think it has more to do with john favreau being a successful director and making a lot of friends in hollywood and he's able to get all these friends of his in his movies for very little money what what did what did you say that the budget on this thing was 11 million bones yeah so everybody's working for scale or something like that i mean dustin hoffman doesn't get out of bed for less than a couple million so you know he's only doing it if he's got friends that he's coming out for um yeah the movie itself though it's it presents uh it's a fun entrepreneurial movie that presents it in a very positive light uh it glosses over all the dirtiness it glosses over. I mean, there's a just the one scene like I was talking about in the intro with the the cop harassing them at South Beach, but it doesn't talk about all the regulations in time. And of course, why would it? I mean, this is a positive movie. It's trying to have fun. It's mostly a story about a father and a son who he's trying to connect to. More about how the son is connect wants to connect to his dad than really him. It's really him kind of trying to follow his dreams. And then it just so happens that his son is also into it. I, I thought that was a little bit weird. Like it really should be his father trying to find ways to connect with his son, 
but really it's a son who's being the adult in the relationship. And he's like, oh, this is, we both enjoy this thing here. I can do this with you and we can connect on a personal level. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? We do that all the time. And that was just weird the way he's like this man child and his like 10 year old kid is the actual adult. But okay, I'll take it. I mean, the character needs to be able to go somewhere, I guess. And so, yeah, um, Favreau, you know, I don't, I've never been a big fan of his acting. I, I think he's competent, but he's not like a guy that's ever going to be talked about as one of the greats. And I think he's sufficient. And I think that the son is sufficient for a child actor. But I mean, I would rather Dustin Hoffman have a bigger role. I am a huge Dustin Hoffman fan. Every time he's on screen, he's amazing. Especially when we did what was that Will Ferrell movie where he like was incredible in I forget. Um, a stranger in uh, Stranger Than Fiction. That's it, Stranger Than Fiction. But every time he's on screen, it's amazing. And then Scarlett Johansson's a lot of fun. I mean, he he has a way of attracting talent, and that's and that's cool. Um, this one I want to talk about scene by scene, almost not every scene, but there are scenes that I have in my notes that I do want to discuss. But those are really my general first thoughts. Um, it's a fun movie that talks about entrepreneurship in a very positive way by a guy who the character main character is passionate about this thing he likes to do and he's good at it and he cares and they, people, people respond. And personally, I think that's, that's always what's attracted me to the food service industry because you have that ability to make an amazing make something as best as you possibly can and every single time you make something it is a work of art essentially because you're putting all this energy and thought and process into it to make it the best you possibly can and then people are willing to trade their uh, fiat currency dollars for it and it's a beautiful thing and they appreciate it they value that sandwich more than they value their eight bucks or whatever they're paying and I don't know what the Cubano market is in Florida I bet you it's probably a little more saturated than it is around here but I bet you if someone brought a Cubano truck to my area, they would do very, very well. Anyway, well, maybe, maybe you, you can be that guy. You can be the mm. Cubano guy. You know, I am doing that. I mean, that's a possibility if I wanted to branch off and do my own thing. But we are currently bringing something to this area that doesn't otherwise have it. Right, right. Though, though, to be fair, you're not really appropriating right now. And, and to do it right, you really do need to be appropriating. I mean, right now you're doing a Thai restaurant with a Thai person preparing the meals. So true. You know, it's not so really I, appropriating their culture. Yeah, I, this movie is fairly problematic, right? I mean, didn't wasn't there like some <laughs> some uh, restaurants in like Portland that got trashed because somebody was do, some white guy was making Mexican food and they were like really offended about that? Yes, yes. So yeah, anyway, yeah, I mean, th there, there's a lot of stuff uh, that we can certainly talk about this. Uh, on this and you've already brought up a few of them and I, I want to bring Jared in on just a moment. But uh, my, my initial reaction to this movie is it's cute and it's fun. And, and there's a bit of a story here and there's really a lot of like little things that are uh, worthy of discussion. Though I don't think that the plot overall, it like really works for me. So while I had fun watching the movie, I'm like, just kind of a road film, you know, like, Oh, they went from point A to B hijinks ensue. And then the movie's over. So yeah, Jared, I, I want to go to you a little bit and get like, what is the thing that really stands out to you? Um, is it is it the, like the moments where 
there's like these entrepreneurial interactions and this passion and this providing for others that, that really drives you to, to like this film? Or is there something more to the story overall that, uh, that you really like about it? No, it's just a fun film. And, uh, the, you know, I think music and movies is a, is a big aspect of what, one of the things that I appreciate about them. I really like the soundtrack of this movie. Um, and, uh, you know, I like the, the moments of the, the father and the daughter, uh, the son relationship. And, you know, when they go and see, um, the grandpa playing his trumpet, uh, at the, at the Cuban restaurant, that was a really nice moment. Uh, you know, moments in the truck, you know, with the, the cornstarch on the balls and, um, uh, you know, the, the, the vine video, the one second a day video that he snips together, you know, his, his marketing acuity is pretty cool. Um, the, the son's marketing acuity, uh, is pretty cool. Um, again, that, you know, that's kind of just the fact that they were making a, a movie length commercial for, for Twitter, um, in a sense, but, uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not the, the most amazing movie ever, but, uh, it's just, I just, I just really like it. It's fun. And, uh, it's, I like the idea of a food truck. I wish it was easier for them to exist. Uh, and I like kind of the, I don't know, sex appeal of the way they portrayed it in this movie. I guess maybe sex appeal isn't right, but, uh, you know, with Sofia Vergara in it and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And, I think it qualifies uh, for them, but. <laughs> yeah, it qualifies for them. Not, not so much for, for Johnny Fav. Well, and the ease about that truck and he was able to just go into business like right away. That was mm -hmm. pretty sexy from someone who has been struggling to build yeah, his that's business what over the past by, two by years. It is a far cry. I wish it was that easy. I mean, maybe things are that easy in Florida, but if things were that easy in Florida, you would probably see almost every food taste tailored to on every street corner. And it probably is not the case. But as a side note, how much adrenochrome is John Leguizamo snorting into his veins? Oh, I know, right? For him to look exactly the same as he did in like 40 years ago or whatever. He's been in Hollywood for at least since the eight, late 80s, early 90s. And he looks identical to how he did before. What's <laughs> yeah, going yeah. on there? What sort of time machine does he have? Or is he just directly inserting like young kids into his body? I don't understand. Yeah, my wife and I were watching this. I'm like, Johnny Leguizamo looks the same as the first time I saw him. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh yeah, so so there's a bunch of stuff related to this, and you're right, it does totally gloss over like all the regulations and and permission slips that are required, and of course these are always imposed by the established interests in a geographic area that have sit down restaurants and they don't want competitors who have a lower overhead, so they want to put barriers to entry up in front of them, and so they they advocate for these things. And Jared, I know that you're a big fan of the Tuttle Twins book series. They have a book related to this called the Food Truck Fiasco, which highlights a lot of these issues that. Um, and, and, and sort of the permutations and, and the, the mechanisms beyond, behind the scenes that um, you can kind of apply even beyond this, where essentially entrenched interests get the ear of government and utilize that leverage, that power to prevent competitive upstarts from uh, honing, in, honing in on their uh, on their territory. And so I will put a link to that on our show notes page, of course, and I will use your uh, your Tuttle Twins link, your affiliate link. So anyone who buys the Tuttle Twins book series or the Food Truck Fiasco from the show notes page on this uh, on this year episode will be benefiting Jared. Uh, and why don't you speak to that? I know you've well, read this book to your kids uh, or are going to. I know you've read the book 
itself. And, and Robert, I think when you were here, I think you read it with my kids, if I recall, maybe last summer or summer before. Uh, it's a really good book. The whole series is is all about um, interacting with um, real world situations and how the government like fucks things up, essentially. But uh, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as you say, the Total Twin series is, is fantastic. And that book in particular, I mean, it, obviously, it really ties in well to this, this movie. But, um, you know, it's the, the kids, they've, you know, through the series, they've owned, uh, you know, the, the Total Twins kids, they've owned lemonade stands, and they've done, uh, you know, uh, theaters and put on plays and all kinds of kind of entrepreneurial things. And then they get into the idea of a food truck, and then they start getting more and more pushback uh, and not being told that they're no longer able to do things that they used to be able to do. And then the more they dig into it, they realize that this uh, sit-down restaurant establishment owner is in cahoots with, uh, with the local government and basically just feeding regulations to the, the town council or whatever it is to to make it so that he his competition uh, uh, is stifled, um, if not eliminated completely. So uh, all of that aspect of the food truck business and of the food industry in general is completely ignored um, in this movie, other than, as, as Robert alluded to a couple of times, the, the scene with the, the cop who gets on, you know, does the lady in the tramp shtick with, with the Cubano sandwich and makes a move down the street. I mean... As for as little as what that cop did, I hated that cop so much just because of like the attitude and the like, hey, I'm cutting in front of everybody. Hey, I'm coming up. Hey, let me press a sandwich. Hey, let's take a whole bunch of pictures. Oh, by the way, move down the street. Otherwise, I'm going to arrest you and throw you in prison and com- compound your your tr- uh, your truck. And yeah, you know, and, and when I when I first saw that scene like starting to develop, I thought, oh, they're gonna have him not have the permit. They're gonna have him have this confrontation and like be, you know, shut down and, and have this like social media shaming of the police or something. You know, that's what I was hoping was coming. But no, yeah, he, he actually had the permission slip. And I, I was really hoping for that Ron Swanson moment, you know, like, yeah, here's my permission right here. I can do what I want. <laughs> and it was worse than the banality of evil. It was your friend, Mr. Evil. It was, hey. I'm evil and I'm going to threaten you with violence, but I'm your buddy and we're going to have fun with it. And have it selfies. Was gross. It was, it was the gaslighting you. It gross was like, is hey, the word for it. we are, I am super, we're going to be doing some cute shit and we're going to be all cool about it. And we're totally bros. But by the way, if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to you know, stick a gun up your ass. It's, it's gross. Yeah. yeah. By the way, John Leguizamo is 50 six years old <laughs> he looks 25 unfucking believable yeah he's got so, he's got something going on he's got something going on so so that was it that was the thing i thought was going to happen and another thing i thought was going to happen i thought that there was some foreshadowing when uh they go to that supply store and he gets all the equipment for the store or for the for this truck and uh you know after cleaning it out and, and having the son do a thing and i want to talk about that robert because there, there's a scene in there that that um it was like this power play between father and son, but he rewards the son for all the hard work with a chef's knife. He's like, you got to respect that knife. You got to take care of it. If you take care of it, it'll take care of you. It'll serve you for many years. I thought that that was foreshadowing something happening with that knife and then nothing ever happens. So I was a little, 
looking yeah. for something that wasn't there. Well, and I think if if you were to watch The Mandalorian, I think you would recognize his writing. It's not the most well thought out, well structured writing. I I I was disappointed when I was watching some of The Mandalorian, and I've seen a few other John Favreau films where it does set up things that don't pay off. And you're right about this plot. It is kind of just uh, a series of things happening in a kind of a, a road movie. There's a little bit of a plot with the the food critic at the beginning and then the food critic at the end. But other than that, it's really just kind of about the father and son and their dynamic. And I think that's probably what you mostly care about as an audience member and their developing relationship. Uh, but yeah. Um, okay. Do you mind if we, if I start going a little bit scene by scene and I want to talk about a little bit about the scenes and then kind of give a little bit of uh context or at least some, and way that they relate to my experience in the food industry. Wait, wait, are you saying that nearly, uh, you know, a couple hundred sh- episodes into this show, you want to bring some structure to this? All right, fine. Let's, let's you, you, Have you, say what you're gonna, you say what you're going to say, and then you say it, and then you say what you said and then that's how you 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 talk in a in a podcast radio format okay okay what i'd like to do is, is have you bring up the scene make your state your piece and then go to our guest and then and then me so we each get a little moment on, on okay. your point okay so very so you're beginning talking i talk you talk that's how this works what is this Wait, is, is it my this, turn uh, who, whose turn is it okay so the first thing i want to talk about it's not a big not a big deal but i thought it was interesting that when Dustin Hoffman hired on this chef, he kind of is semi-autonomous. And they talk about this deal that they had. Seemed to be some kind of a verbal contract for Favreau having control over the kitchen, the ability to decide the menu. And, and, that, and that seemed to be big for him because he's a guy that goes out and he goes shopping in the, in the morning and he buys all the ingredients and he gets ideas about what to cook that day. Like this is a very much fresh produce, like market to table experience every day is, is kind of thing. Like, so he has this kind of uh, restaurant where they probably open just for dinner. Maybe they do a little bit of a soup salad lunch thing, maybe a, a, a light menu in the lunch, but it seemed to be mostly a dinner establishment where they're like fine dining. We only open our doors at like four or five o'clock and that's it. So he, this is a guy who really cares about his food. This is people are coming to pay a premium price for things they can't get anywhere else. And it seemed to me that Hoffman, I mean, obviously there, the movie's kind of played up for a little bit of conflict, but he really seemed like he was killing the golden goose from my perspective when he was saying, well, I could have anybody cook this menu. You're nothing special. Uh, you probably bring a little bit to the table, but I mean, you're, 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 you're second in command here. He could probably do it. And then uh, it seemed to me like you were messing with a Picasso and telling him how to paint and saying, well, your understudy could probably do just as good for you know these heathens that we serve. They're not going to be able to taste the difference. Right, I have, I have uh, comments. I, I have comments. You got comments? Okay, okay. Good, good, good. Because it seemed to me that it was a breach of contract from what they had talked about. Now, obviously, Favreau is free to walk out at any time when 
Hoffman comes up with this shit. He's like, well, this is, you're changing the deal. And he's like, pray I don't alter the deal more. And so I thought, I thought everybody acted properly in that sense, in the sense that, okay, this contract is now null and void. I'm free to leave. And Hoffman is like, well, I guess I'm out of chef. And anyway, for Hoffman to essentially lay down the law and not kind of de facto fire his head chef, not really, but saying, hey, you can walk. You know, th these are the consequences. If you don't do what I'm telling you to do, you can, you're free to leave. Is essentially saying, you know, do what I say or walk. And to do that, when you have a full house, more reservations than they've ever had, and the sole reason people are coming that night is because of this Twitter blow up where they're coming to see fireworks. They're coming to taste this food that he's like hyping up. Like I'm going to bring it like, like it's never been brought in before. I'm going to bring this menu that you've never tasted before. Everybody's coming for that experience. I, I would think Hoffman's acting ridiculously here, not only for that fact, but for the fact that you are reducing your kitchen staff by one but a very, very important one. And I know from experience that just throwing that off and you've got, and they, they showed in the movie and they did a good job, the craziness in that kitchen, all these orders plowing in, these orders, these tickets are just printing, 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 and everybody's scrambling to try and get any food out of there and get food into people's hands. That. I've I've lived that experience, made not in a fine dining experience, but in our my restaurant, and it is it is a nightmare when you are shorthanded. Okay, Daniel, your thoughts from all that word salad that I just threw at you. All right, so there, there's a lot going on here, and, it, and it's very reminiscent of the movie we did a couple of weeks ago called La La Land, where the piano player is hired by the restaurant owner to play a certain style of music, and he wants to play jazz, he wants to improvise, he wants to mess around, he wants to like show his artistic flair. Similarly, we see that with John Favreau here. However, I think that they kind of don't um, really lay it out as if Favreau has been experimenting this whole time. It's sort of like the critic makes this point where Favreau was 10 years ago daring and creating new things. And, and he was his boy. You know, he was doing things that hadn't been done before. He was out there going to the markets and finding those things, those inspirational things. And he created this menu that was exciting and new and, and built his name on that. And he got this raving review and Dustin Hoffman hires him and they open this restaurant and, and they establish a menu and then they stick to that menu for 10 years. Now, yes, I can totally understand that after the menu being that way for 10 years, uh, that it would get pretty boring. But as the restaurant owner, Dustin Hoffman, he's like, this is my bread and butter. This is what's making my bills get paid. It's filling up my restaurant. People are coming for the tried and true. And they're, they they come here, they know what they're going to get and they're going to get it. And they're going to be happy and they're going to come back. So how they present this in the movie is sort of like how you sort of presented it, where Favreau's this maverick who's going to the market and finding things, this inspiration. Yeah, he was 10 years ago. But it seems to me that he's been doing the same thing, the same menu for about 10 years. And only when he gets wind of this critic showing up, that's when he first wants to change the menu. This is what happens the first night we're sort of introduced to him. And Hoffman's like, no, you need to stick with the main menu. Of course, the critic gives him this scathing review. And then the Twitter beef ensues because he's an old man, you know, get off my lawn. He's kind of inept and doesn't understand that he's not tweeting a direct message to somebody, but he's tweeting at somebody so everyone can see it. So 
then this Twitter beef sort of blows up into this, um, you know, this this event, right? And so the, are, these people are coming here. So I will agree with you in this second time that Hoffman doesn't see what's really happening, that, that the people aren't there for the tried and true this time. They're there for the fireworks. They're there for the new exciting thing. But Hoffman does right. have a point in that it's his restaurant and he wants to stick with what's paying the bills. And I think that this is a misstep on his part, but it's not as if Favreau for the past 10 years has really been lighting things on fire. He did a thing 10 years ago that did that and then he kind of rested on that. And so that's another thing that's kind of an interesting point that a lot of times entrepreneurs will break into a market with an innovative idea and then get stale. And then they need to reinvent themselves. And I think that's what Favreau needed to do here. And he sort of needed to run into this situation where, where he lost what he had to then reinvent himself. So, yeah. yes, I, I think in the second instance, yeah, Hoffman didn't understand what was at stake. Favreau did. But it's not like Hoffman was necessarily wrong in that it's his restaurant. It's, you know, he, he kind of missed what was happening at that time. But he wanted to make his restaurant still like be a functional restaurant, basically. Yeah, I mean, he make... is like you said, he is the stale entrepreneur at that point. He's just yes. resting on his laurels, happy with the business he's getting, not looking to innovate. Right, and and in a way, he's sort of pushing Favreau into that. And and you know, we're we're sort of, we're only seeing what we're seeing, but Favreau's kind of seemingly been okay with that, maybe like bristling a little bit for those ten years. It felt like like there was some conflict that wasn't just popping up out of nowhere between those two. It seemed like Favreau, to your point, he wanted to mix things up when the, the critic came. But it seemed like they kind of had a history, much like in La La Land. It wasn't just the first time that he had been trying to play some different songs. It felt like he was an artist that was too confined by this stuffy restaurant owner that was just wanting to play it safe where he wanted to take more risks. Right. And, and in a way he's sort of like paying his dues by going through this 10 years of doing what someone else wants him to do. And, and I think that plays into this built up, like pent up, like wanting to do something dramatic and, and something different and, and express himself and, and utilize the skills that he has and, and unleash them on the world, not working for someone else. And I think that's one of his driving kind of um, inspirations is providing something that he wants to better people's lives with. Like he knows that the food that he makes is so good that people are going to remember it. You know, he's yeah. that passionate about it. He's that skilled at it. And they will come out of the woodwork to find it. Right. But he, he's not there um, right away. You know, it takes him like he's got to put in all this time and effort, like honing his craft and getting really good at it. Uh, he's got to have that passion for it. He tries to um, make that point to his son. Like you had mentioned earlier in, in some of the pre-show, you know, he, he, it's not like the son can just walk in and be like, I've paid my dues. You know, you kind of got to go through these trials and tribulations and, and face these frustrations to really kind of um, hone that diamond, so to speak. Well, and cooking is, I mean, you can learn, you can be a fairly competent chef with a fair, you know, just a couple of days of training if you're just only cooking a few things. But Favreau, is like an artist and he knows all the things he knows everything at the produce market, how to cook each thing, how, you know, probably 10 different ways to cook every single last thing. And he's an, can experiment and play and has a passion for this stuff 
Yeah, he knows and, all the notes and all the you know instrumentation. Uh, what this part of the orchestra is going to do over here, and what this thing's going to do over here. Yeah, it probably took yeah ten years or you know at least multiple years doing all kinds of different things before he could probably call confidently call himself like the poppy chef or whatever he calls himself or whatever. El jefe. El jefe. Yeah. You know who would, who would be good to get uh, some commentary from would be um, Dan Reed, the culinary libertarian on, on something like this. He might know a thing or two about cooking. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So Jared, uh, what, what, uh, what response do you have to uh, Robert's, points that he was making if, if you can recall them from 20 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i i don't know i guess just to kind of maybe continue where it seemed like uh the two of you had kind of, were kind of taken it the 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 passion aspect of what um uh chef casper el jefe uh brought to brought to it and i guess kind of speaking to his his maybe acting abilities i know also on netflix there's uh there's a whole series that he's done now called chef where he's actually going and meeting with real chefs all over the country and i think even over the over the world and like learning how to cook various things with them and um like him cooking that grilled cheese in that that scene of him cooking the grilled cheese for his son that's that's a kind of a takeaway scene from the movie and he, you know, watching outtakes from the, from this movie, he he spent a good like week with a chef learning how to make the perfect uh, grilled cheese and like learning how you know how to look at look at lift it up and look at how the butter was congealing to the bread and adding a little bit of butter here and there as needed and things like that. And just those little details that he kind of. I guess brought to the table for this movie, you know, and the study that he did for his character, um, which I guess is, is, is commendable to his craft. Uh, and, you know, not only that, but then there's, there's the scene. Um, and maybe this kind of explains a little bit of him getting hot chicks, but there's the scene where he's with Scarlett Johansson and he's like, Oh, what if I just cook you something? And she's like, she, she like melts in his hand. Um, you know, like the, the ability yeah. to, you know, they say uh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, but I think that that road can go the other direction too. Um, and uh, you know, a, a man who can cook really well is probably a sexy thing in the eyes of a woman. Um, and then, I mean, that's I really all. No, but to... thank you. It's possible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's still time out there for you, Poppy Cubano. I uh, thank you, sir. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's all I have to really say about um, you know that that aspect. As far as his fight with, uh, I don't really think there's much for me to add to that. I'd kind of like to talk about the uh, the fight with the critic, um, and you know that kind of served as a launching point for the whole his whole uh, venture down the food truck path, and then it served as a, a nice bow on the on the end of the movie when they kind of partner up at the end, and he's like, no, listen, I. It was a complete misunderstanding. I, I thought we were having fun. He's like, you know, pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I've got X number of Twitter followers and uh, this huge food critic uh, empire, more or less, that I've built up. He's like, what were you thinking? You know, you're, he's like, I thought I was sending you a direct message. And, yeah, and it's like other, trying to tweet at The critic at, uh... was like, well, I didn't know that. And, and you know, it just blew up into this crazy thing. Yeah, it's like uh, trying to tweet at Michael Malice or something, you know, and he just fucking crushes you and blocks you. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, 
but anyways, yeah, I mean, um, I, uh, I don't know what you guys would have to say about oh, that, that, that part of the plot. Um, I know that's well, probably before we, one of the small parts of the plot, but yeah, yeah what we, else? We can definitely talk about that, but I just, I did to, to your previous point about Favreau seemingly having a passion for food shows that, that, that came across in watching this. It doesn't surprise. I did not know that, that he also has a food show, but it came across. It, it seemed to be a movie made by a guy who loves traveling food shows. That and food <laughs> and food. I mean, the guy, he's a big dude. He obviously <laughs> loves to eat and who doesn't love delicious food and traveling around to taste the different, amazing food in different places that you can get. So I could totally uh, feel that, that, that very much seemed like you said, as part of his craft and his, study for his character uh <laughs> it, going food, yeah. traveling around and learning how to cook and eating, eating all that the great best food, food uh, in the world yeah yeah i think yeah, that's I think, another part of the movie that that is um that is appealing to me is that i've got family in the louisiana new orleans area so i've had that experience of you know your first beignet or you know your first beignet in three years type thing uh and um you know so that's that's part of the movie that i liked but uh have you guys been to New Orleans? Have you ever had a beignet? I I've have just not. Went, I've just had one at the food circus at the Seattle uh, Center Pavilion. Okay. And it's probably a pale comparison, but uh, I have had something that goes by that name, and it's from a allegedly New Orleans-inspired restaurant. Yeah, it's restaurant. probably legit, then. Um, to your other point of him picking the fight with the food critic, uh, I think the movie almost addresses that, doesn't it? where you can just pick a fight with the intent of losing or even knowing that you're going to lose, but you know that you're doing something so sensational that it's going to attract eyeballs. Yeah, and you're going yeah. to blow up. like So that people that do something spectacular that fails spectacularly, you're still going to get a lot of cachet off that. Such So we see all kinds of videos of people hurting themselves or things exploding or failing miserably, we still, uh, those people still get, you know, massive followers and that kind of thing. Uh, so it, it felt very realistic in that sense. I don't know if, I don't know if they're going to get a whole lot of, you know, the movie's plot didn't seem super realistic in that I don't follow that world. So I don't know about some famous chef having a beef with a food critic and then a whole lot of people being interested in that per se, but I can definitely understand how, someone might go at a celebrity only to get slammed on by either the celebrity or the celebrity's massive fan base, just with the intent of getting eyeballs and drawing attention to yourself and whatever they happen to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And he so, kind of fell into that. Uh, maybe not purposefully, at least in the movie, but yeah, it, it certainly happened because, you know, he had that meltdown that was on video, like people caught it on camera and then, and that's what really blew it up. Uh, it's molten. That was that was a big man baby performance of his. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was... And he was, you know, like saying, "You're not getting to me. You're not getting to me." No, he's you, not you... getting to me. <laughs> well, you you obviously did. Yeah, clearly not self aware in that instance. Yes, right. But I mean, it ended up working out for him. Um, now I don't know if that is like super realistic. Um, you know, if 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 you saw somebody melt down like that, then would you? I don't know, like want to go to their food truck if you heard that they had a food truck you know it seemed yeah, a little weird I, 
but if 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 in learning about the guy, if you see him, just even learn his name, and then you learn about this guy and this history, maybe a little bit, you might be a little bit more incentivized. Like, so uh, one thing that we struggle with is, and the same thing happens in this film, is that the demand far outstrips the supply. Now, the movie doesn't show angry customers. I wanted it to show angry customers, but this movie is such a positive thing that, you know, they're like, even after he's, they're waiting in line, there's this massive crowd and he can clearly only make a few sandwiches at a time. Clearly. I mean, it takes like a couple of minutes each and you can probably, they're only per at a time. Maybe they could press like three or four. I don't know but it's still obviously not enough to serve this massive crowd. Now in my business, we are limited by the amount of food we can produce in a given time. And when there is a lunch rush or a dinner rush and the whole town wants to come get their food, there's only so much food that can come out of a kitchen at a given time. So there are customers that will wait, you know, 30 minutes, an hour for something they ordered and sometimes it's just like a simple little thing. And you're like, how could it possibly take an hour for this one little thing? There's no way. But what you're not seeing behind the scenes is the that you are like 30th in line. And all these other people are waiting longer and they are, you know, before you. But in this movie, at one point, John Favreau says, thank you for your patience to a customer as he's handing them the sandwich. And I have been there. I have said that phrase so many times. I appreciated that he said it. I wish they had showed some angry customers, but there is a real issue with having too many customers all at once and not being able to, to, to meet demand because you will, you'll make some people happy, but you'll make a whole lot more annoyed and upset, especially when you like take their order and they have to sit around and wait. Maybe it's a little bit different with a food trailer or a food truck because you're basically you you're just waiting in line and they don't know your order yet. So you're just waiting for the line to slowly progress to the point you can get to the order and then you get your food relatively quickly. But still, you're sitting around waiting for a real long time and it doesn't show all the customers that would go, man, I've been waiting in line for like an hour. Do you want to get some tacos instead? There's just like no line over at the taco star. So then they just walk away. Uh, that would have been more realistic. I know it's more about a positive vibe in this film. But again, these are the real choices and real pressures that you face when, especially when you're bringing this popular item that, that people can't get anywhere else. They, they got nowhere else to go. So you're going to have most of the customers be like just super ecstatic that they're even getting this food at all. But then there's going to be those people that are having a bad day and they're going to take it out on you when you're just working as hard as you can to serve them. It's uh, it's an interesting dynamic. All right. I'm going to give you the Scrooge McDuck work. Smarter, not harder. How would you do that, sir? So in the food truck, they have like four menu items. You guys, as far as I know, have a lot of menu items. I think that that lends itself to length because people have to distribute their limited resources and time uh, allocated to the, you know, it gets stretched thin. Whereas if you had fewer items and maybe something that was more immediately available or kind of always available. Like you had this giant thing of X and it's like a very popular item. You're talking about our, our business model. That is our <laughs> business model, sir, to produce okay. a large quantity of X and then to immediately hand it out to people. 
All right. So where are these half hour, 45 minute, hour long weights coming in? If, if because, this is your because you get to a Ray certain amount of time, you get a certain point where everything is empty. Okay. And there is a list of things that need to be prepared. And let's say it takes 10 minutes to cook cashew chicken. And then it takes 10 minutes to connect cook pad thai. And it takes 10 minutes to cook crispy beef. And it takes 10 minutes to cook the special. And it you takes like 10 one minutes cooking to cook. area, right? And there's one cooking area. And somebody orders the crispy beef. And that's fourth in line. Well, that's a 40-minute wait. Yeah. Yeah. I, but well, you're preaching to the choir about lowering the number of items on the menu. You are absolutely preaching. I have talked about this many times. But let me tell you that the the tendency, the inertia in the food business is to expand the menu. It is to offer new items. And people, especially customers, really, really get annoyed when you take any item off the menu. Mm -hmm. you're, whenever you take anything off, you're taking off somebody's favorite Dustin thing. Dustin Hoffman's argument. They want to come and get the thing that they want to get. You are taking off somebody's favorite item. So you want to mix up the menu. You want to add new things to it to attract more customers, give them something they haven't had before because returning customers want to taste some new things. Like we get, whenever we do a special, it's a weekly special and sometimes it's so good. And people are like, it's so good. Why isn't it on the menu all the time? And you go, yeah, it probably should be, but <laughs> we can't do that for everything because then we would have 50 things on the menu and you would be waiting two hours or three hours for your food and that would make nobody happy. Mm, yeah and i feel like we're not involving jared at all i'm sorry buddy <laughs> yeah we're getting way down into the all right how do we operate a food truck yeah how getting into the work? weeds i feel like i'm i'm uh talking about uh law and just getting too deep into the weeds and nobody's gonna be interested in what i'm talking about it's okay yeah long story short is it sucks to to run a food business with the government the way it is yeah, but are... thank you for doing so because I like buying food from people who prepare it for me. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, we do get a lot of compliments and a lot of people thanking us for being there and adding to their choices. And people do appreciate the effort. But, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's having a bad day. It happens. Yeah, understandable. Sure. So um, we are actually uh, bumping up against time, unfortunately, already. And I know, Robert, you haven't yet asked your um, is he a good father question. So I know that's coming. But do you have anything else? Or, Jared, do you have any other uh, topics you want to bring up before we start to do the winding down here? No, I mean, I'm, I, uh, I'm pretty satisfied. I think uh, I mean, I think the one thing that I might add is that if you wanted to look at the the, you know, we kind of mentioned that the, the how they portray entrepreneurship is almost, you know, with a little bit of sex appeal, how easy it is and how rewarding it can be and how you can ignite your passions and, and get paid for it, too. And uh, but I mean, if you look a little bit deeper into that, you kind of can maybe from a little bit more cynical point of view, you can say, well, look at how hard it must be to succeed entrepreneurially. Look at all everything that this chef Casper had going for him. You know, he had. He had seed money. He had his ex-wife's ex-husband, you know, basically give him the truck. He had uh, he had very effective marketing, which not everybody can find. You know, he had his his son running Twitter um, pretty well. He had some notoriety from that blow up that he had with the critic. Uh, you know, he had been YouTube famous there for he got his fifteen minutes. 
um, and you also had a really quality product, you know, and, and all of those things together combined to what made him a success. And not everybody who wants to get into that business is kind of have those four things. So they're going to have to, you know, make up for lacking one or two or three of those things elsewhere. Yeah. And he um, gets the girl in the end and repairs his relationship with his son. You know, it's like, and he's got a whole many... new business venture and partner yeah. and yeah. people throwing his enemies are throwing money at him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got it going. Okay. Pretty good. Most, <laughs> most businesses fail. It a little bit. Most businesses fail within two years. This, this, this guy seems to be doing it pretty well though. Yeah. And I, I guess that was my, my point earlier is like, it's a cute movie and it's a fun movie, but it's also kind of like not realistic and it's, I don't know what the message really is other than the individual scenes that make certain points, you know? So it does yeah. seem a little fantastical. Like uh, I, I sort of made a joke, you know, a big PP at the beginning, the passion and um, uh, personality. Cause Favreau's a funny guy and he's got good personality, uh, but getting those hot chicks as a result, you know, it, it is kind of, you're, you're entering into fantasy land a little bit here. For sure. It is a movie made in Hollywood by Hollywood people. So it's not going to be the most realistic thing, but it definitely, it comes across as a, a movie made by a, a guy who's passionate about that thing, like the food shows and good food and, and finding that random weird food that, you know, everybody talks about, but you know, it's not like that is that your typical necessarily tourist food. It's, it's that, hide hidden place that all the locals know about but you know not just someone driving through would know about it's it's the joy of discovery of finding some amazing new thing because food is such an immediate short-term thing right i mean you not you can't just replicate it like marie calendars you know makes frozen foods and that kind of thing and like chefs will have their own frozen food line or whatever but it's never, you know, you all know it's a pale imitation of what you can actually get. At so I thought day. you were going to go Star Trek with the replicator. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You can talk about your communist utopia some other time. But in the real world, where there still takes human beings to make this stuff, you can't, it's, you have to go out and find it. You have to travel. You have to talk to people. You have to go online nowadays and look at reviews and that kind of thing. But you can't just go to your local store and find, you know, X, Y, or Z that, you know, you have to go to these places and that's, that's something kind of magical and, you know, the joy of discovery and that kind of thing. That's, that's something still kind of wondrous about the food industry, as opposed to something that's available for anyone, anywhere at any time, like something you just order off Amazon or something. You can't order a meal created by Papi Cubano off Amazon. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun thing that there won't be a monopoly on. There's not going to be a monopoly on, you know, any kind of food item necessarily like there is on, you know, well, I mean, government can destroy it and make it so that only McDonald's could make it or taco in the, the fast food wars or whatever it was in that ridiculous movie. But yeah, that's what I like about food. There's a lot of things to like about food. Passion. You can put yourself into it. You can make it the best you possibly can. It's an art form and you can't, you know, I know that people guard their recipes, but there's still especially the kernel, an unreplicable ability, you know, entity aspect to it. You know what I mean? You know what I'm? You, does anybody know what I'm talking about here? You're talking about the kernel with his wee beady eyes. Exactly. It's got a secret recipe that makes you crave I'm it glad, nightly. I'm glad you're paying attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So, Robert, big, big time question for you. Is John Favreau a good father in this film? You're going to ask me? You son of a bitch. That's my thing. The tables are turned. Um, you know, I think he's a pretty crappy dad at the beginning, obviously. I mean, he, he takes the time to spend some time, but he's not really present. He's, he's more like, hey, we're going to go do this thing. Meanwhile, I got my own, my mind. I'm thinking about something else. I'm not really paying attention to who you are, what you're about, what you care about, what you're into, how we can, you know, connect. And it's more about him. The kid was more of an adult than he was. Um, you know, I understand he has to have an arc and he grows and he changes and he becomes more of a father through this process and spending his time with his son. He sees them as more of a, I don't know, somebody he's able to connect with. But I think he's uh, overall, I mean, I, I understand you have to have a flawed character at the beginning and then he learns something, blah, blah, blah. But he seems to me to be a pretty crappy dad. I mean, not that, not that you know, you know, uh, especially since he was like, I don't want to take my kid out of school. It's like, no, you need to go to the government re-education camps. Um, you, you can only do this on the weekends. You can only do it uh, you know, while you're on like summer break or whatever, um, I would have liked to him to see, to be like, Hey, you can be an entrepreneur. You're, you're already, and he did say that he was like, you're already like a good chef. You, you not only do you, the, the ability, the, the, the potential, but you're already good. You're already putting in the work. You're already learning. You can do that. Yeah, and in that sense, pain, I, you know, like he that, burned himself. He's like, you want to keep going? Yeah. In that sense, I thought he was a good dad. So I think he, he had his ups and downs. Overall, I don't know. I can't really evaluate him, but I thought, yeah, he went from being quite poor and everybody has their moments of not really, you know, being 100% present in their kid's life and that kind of thing, I'm sure. But he seemed to be, and he was going through some crap too, obviously, of course, right? But he's losing his job and trying to figure things out. But uh, I wasn't impressed with his parenting. Let's put it that way. I thought there were many other uh, film dads like Captain Fantastic and other things like that, where uh, uh, I was very impressed with with the dad. So I'd give him like a a C C plus C plus B minus. Trend, trending up towards the end, though. Trending up towards the end. Like in the beginning of the film, he's like at a he's at a C minus, and then maybe he's up to a B minus at the end. Okay. All right. So Jared, Jared, your thoughts, uh, you've, you've got kids is, um, now they're not as old as the kid in this movie, but is, uh, is Favreau a good dad in this or does, does he become a good dad, uh, similar to Robert's take? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of have a hard time judging another dad and his dadding abilities. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's there and he's putting in effort and yeah, he, you know, there was moments at the beginning where he, kind of was you know borderline pushing him to pushing him off pushing him to the side but he was going through some real bad you know crap at that time and it's not really a good excuse to push your kid away but i mean you know it's uh, i don't know how i would deal with the, uh, that kind of a situation if i was in those shoes so you know saying he's not a bad dad because of it i don't I'm not really comfortable saying that that being said you know this is a, a fictional character so i'm not like don't have any like moral qualms with it or whatever, but uh, I don't know. That's just kind of, I guess, how I feel about it. And I think he, you know, the whole trip, he was a, an excellent dad. He was encouraging and he was, uh, you know, he was trying to give him some life lesson type, type things and they had fun together. And, 
he uh, was praising him for all the work that he was doing with the marketing and with the the Vine video that they put together. And then, uh, well, there was the one scene where he's like, "I need you to clean that like dead cat out of that pan, like that rotten, you know, been in there for like a year, probably reeks to high heaven." And they have this like battle, right? This, yeah, like, it was like an alpha type stare down almost. Yeah, yeah, and and that that stood out to me as. I mean, I've had, all right, real talk here. Um, when I was living in, in Seattle in an apartment, I, I had a friend of mine and he would come over like a couple times a week and cook Chinese food. And um, occasionally, you know, we'd, we'd be out in uh, late at night and then go to Chinatown for late night food or, you know, he'd cook and, and, and whatnot. And then we'd watch uh, college football on Saturdays. Anyway, the point is occasionally there would be something cooked at odd hours. And then I wouldn't be aware uh, of where it ended up. And so one meal ended up being left in my oven with the oven turned off. And about a week to two weeks later, there was some sort of funk, some smell that uh, was emanating from this. And uh, you could smell it in the hallway. And like, I was like, what the hell is this? Where is it coming from? Because I was a, you know, mid twenties bachelor did not use my oven personally. Uh, I had one, but I didn't use it. And uh, it was only upon discovering this, that it was in the oven and then opening it and getting punched in the face by the stench. Um, and I can only imagine what the kid must have smelled when he opened the fridge in this truck for you know however long it's been in there. I mean, I'm sure that our listeners have experienced something that's been rotting in an enclosed space for a long period of time. I mean, it is literally a, a gut wrenching situation. Like it, it, it wafts into you and then uh, it makes you nearly vomit. So I, in, in experiencing the, the thing that I, in my lived experience, I took the kid's reaction to this as, yeah, just throw that fucking pan out. Like there's no saving this pan, you know? And I took Favreau's response to that as, no, you fucking clean that pan because I'm bigger than you as a dick move. With because Favreau clearly didn't have the information, right? That this thing was rotten, right? It's it's this pan is ruined, right? But was it? But was the pan ruined? I mean, it was in tainted. the story. It's the not. Soul pan... was tainted, but it's a stainless steel pan. It will survive. I'm gonna. Right? I'm I'm burning that pan. You're burning the pan. <laughs> <laughs> Nuke it for more, but still make it be sure. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that was a pretty crappy move. But at least he didn't subject his child or himself to a cross-country trip with stranger. He was just, it was just the three of them. They all knew each other. They were safe when they were crossing the country. So in that sense, I got to give him a bump up. He kept it. I mean, I don't know. They didn't, didn't show where they slept. They weren't like sleeping in like truck stops or anything like that. But they were probably just sleeping on the truck. But I got to say that it was uh, good, good of him. He was, he kept, he had safety in mind. He did. Okay. All right. All right. So the, the, the last point I'll make about him, uh, my take on his fathering is that early in the film, he isn't interested in really being a dad. He sort of is a dad. So he's there doing dad motions, but he's more interested in, making a name for himself and 
building his career and working in time with the son around that. And I think that's maybe what led to the, you know, the breakup, like he's divorced from the mom and she seems pretty well off. So it's not as if uh, Casper's like earning money to pay child support. It's, it's more like Casper's earning money to make a name for himself, to build up his reputation, to eventually uh, get his own restaurant or something like that. So he's very focused on work and putting the kid on the back burner, so to speak. But I'm, uh, I'm doing the dad jokes tonight. Um, and it was only when you know he broke down and, and lost that position and then reignited his passion and then his son could go along with it and he earned his stripes with him that they bonded. And, and he actually saw the son as the individual that he had become and realized that he's actually a pretty cool guy. And so I think that's what sort of mended the relationship, but it was Favreau like so focused on himself and in, in sort of a, a, a selfish way, I think, uh, especially for having had a kid um, and maybe even not being grown up himself. Like he was still hanging out with his coworkers and going out to bars and, and banging the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the hostess. Yeah. You know, and, and, not that there's anything wrong with that when you're in your 20s and, and earning your stripes, but, you know, you're married and you've had kids, you should probably grow up a little bit. And and I think eventually he does do that. And, of course, he ends up with uh, remarrying the uh, the wife because I think he's changed from that, you know, the, the, the type of person he was before. Um, so now she's like, OK, he's matured enough to actually be here and be, you know, the person that we need him to be. He does seem like a he does seem like a bit of a, a immature character, but I will say I don't necessarily fault him for worrying so much about his career. Like his career is what pays the bills and feeds the kid, right? I mean, and feeds the family. That's that's not necessarily the most selfish thing to be. I think I think normally about. normally you'd be right, but I think that in this movie it's presented as the wife is pretty well off despite whatever Casper does. True. I mean, it, it in your it, to your point, it did feel more like he was worried about his career as a part of his ego and less yeah. about a way to provide. Right. So. Like if it's a providing thing, then then it's totally way more understandable. Like I experiences with with my kids like they're ups- they I don't want to say upset, but like they don't like it when I go the 20 feet out into my driveway to go into my office, you know, and I'm like, well, I got to do, you know, I got to do something for other people so that we get money in exchange so that we can pay for things that we want. You know, though, I mean, they're, dude, they're like freaking little mini economists. It's crazy. But um, they're still, you know, bothered by it. And in fact, earlier today, and we're getting long, I'm sorry. Um, they were trying to find things that um, they don't use anymore that they can sell so they can contribute, you know, to like buy food for the chickens and like help us like pay for things. Like it's crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of awesome. And I feel bad. Like their, their heart is definitely in the right place and I don't want to reject it, but I also don't want them to like give up their things, you know, because they'll get like $5 for their stuff. And it, it you know, $5 to me is like, okay, uh, <laughs> what am I going to do with that? Uh, in, unless you're, you're supporting us on Patreon, then $5 is like amazing. So, you know, Hit us up at last night's cops with Patreon. You get pre-show and post-show bonus content, Captain Turner Overdrive, all that other fun stuff. And you get to feel good that uh, what I just said was a meaningless $5 will actually be super meaningful. Anyway. That's right. Smooth, Daniel. Smooth. So smooth. So smooth. Just knife skills. Just chopping it up, dicing it up. Yeah, super you nice. You got your stuff's knife, and you're taking care of it. You're sharp, keeping it sharp. 
Yeah. And Fabro did have some, uh, some pretty good skills. Like to Jared's point, he did go through some, um, you know, chef training and, uh, uh, it's very demonstrated in this, in this film. He looks pretty adept at it. And you know, his chopping skills and that sharp, that knife is super sharp and he is just chopping those veggies up like nobody's business. Yeah. And like not even looking like, well, that, that's a little risky for me. I mean, I hurt myself, uh, get, getting, uh, uh, vanilla ice cream out of a tub with a butter knife. I, I stabbed through my hand. So, um, I definitely don't have the knife skills, but Same. anyway, so smooth. <laughs> so smooth. All right, let's get into a final summary and review, and, and let's give it uh, how many chef knives out of ten. Uh, Jared, you want to you want to give uh, your final summary speech? Sure. Um, you know, kind of like we've been saying, it's it's a fun movie. Um, it's got its it's got its strong points and it's got its its weak points for sure. I like it a lot. I enjoy. Um, as I mentioned, I enjoy the music in it a lot. I like the uh, just kind of the the relationships within it and the the character growth. Um, I like that it's food based. I like that it's entrepreneurial. Uh, I like that it shows you know some good examples of uh, mutually beneficial transactions. Um, I like that it goes through New Orleans and uh, you know mentions uh, the de- delicious. Um, beignets from cafe du monde uh and um it's just you know it's a it's a fun show there's there's some funny scenes there's some kind of uh as robert put it gross scenes uh and uh just overall it was a, it's a fun you know car ride across or a fun food truck ride across uh, across the country which is essentially um, which I agree with you guys. I think that that is what the movie is, uh, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I liked it. Um, I'll give it, uh, you know, there, it is lacking in its, its portrayal of how much the government sticks its nose into the food industry, which is unfortunate. Um, but I guess, uh, despite of that, uh, it's still a, still a, still a good movie. That's not the, what the movie was about by any yeah. means. Um, Maybe we should rate it a number of permits. <laughs> I'll give it um seven and a half uh chef knives chef knives okay all right that's cool uh, we just got we just got a comment in uh our golden circle Facebook group it's a super exclusive club for past guests and for patreon supporters it says I just watched this last week I love the idea but the thought of them having to get a damn permit to serve food in every city they stopped at would be a major hassle so for definitely. Sure. Definitely no agree joke. with that. Yeah, that the no whole joke. sex appeal of that whole entrepreneurial endeavor goes away real fast when you start learning about the reality of it. Yeah. And sometimes those permits are like sixty, seventy, eighty dollars, and you're already have your overhead, your employees you gotta pay, you got the gas, you got and all the mentioned you gotta pay real. taxes in each state yeah, that you're the operating. Absolutely. Then you gotta pay the taxes that mm-hmm. uh, on the, the money that you took in. And it's not uh, the like these things are cost. instantaneous either. Yeah. It's no, like you're and just going to roll into town. You're just going to roll into town instead of shop. Nice try. That's never going to happen. The local commissars are going to make you wait. If you, unless you've already applied like weeks in advance, maybe, but it's, it's, what was it? What was it? Movie like, uh, life is beautiful where the commissar was like, yeah, maybe I'll approve this. Maybe I won't. Maybe you'll have to wait a couple of months to be able to open your bookstore or not. It's a, it's a lot like that. I mean, it's not as bad over here, but it's, essentially you are waiting at somebody else's pleasure to actually do something for you, give you their permission. Anyway, I will launch into my summer formal final summary and review here. It is uh, a movie that is succeeds at what it tries to do. It tries to just be a fun road film 
that kind of tries to tell a little bit of a heart story with a family father son story. Uh, it, you know, it, it kind of tries to be a, a Twitter commercial, which it succeeds at quite, quite famously. Uh, it also tries to celebrate food and food culture. And that is probably its most successful uh, thing. So I, I would say it's not, you know, it's not a perfect film. I, I think the acting is competent, although I think the, um, the high-powered stars who are stars for a reason because they have amazing charisma and acting skills that uh, Favreau is able to bring into his movies like Danny Jr. and Justin Hoffman are shine, you know, in their respective scenes. It would have been nice to get them for more, but I'm sure that, you know, they're going to do a favor for a friend. They're only going to give him like a day or maybe two at the most. They're not going to be on set the whole time while you're shooting this little $11 million movie. But, um, you know, it, it succeeds at what it tried to do. I am not a huge fan of Favreau's writing. I think it's, he's, he doesn't put in the effort to really work with like a writing partner to really have his scripts really worked over. He seems to be like a first or second or third draft guy tops. And that's, you know, work however you work. You're far more successful at it than I am. I can't really fault you, but it just seems to be that I'm not super enamored with your scripts, Mr. Favreau, which is totally fine. Look at you just shitting on the work of the creatives, you critic who provides no value. Exactly. Like inward. You want to go to war with me? You don't create. I buy ink by the barrel. It's molten. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Mr. Favreau, you can come on the show anytime. It'd be a lot of fun. Anyway, your movie, I'm giving uh, seven sharpened chef's knives out of ten. All right. All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not too bad. Um, Jared, I appreciate you suggesting this movie for us. I think that it is a good movie and it has a lot of like really good points. There's probably more points that we haven't even touched on that I think would be worthy of discussion. But uh, overall, I think that it's well done and it's well shot. The food looks amazing in this. Like my wife and I were watching this and we're, we're like, you know, that Pavlovian response where the dog starts drooling with the sound of the bell when they're fed a steak and then you take the steak away and they just hear the bell. They start to drool. We knew that this food was on a screen, but we were still kind of salivating at the thought of it. And it, uh, it looked really, really good. Uh, and just just how it was shot with the, the food prep and everything. Uh, just really well done. I think the story is sort of like lacking a little bit. They try to do maybe too many things. Uh, there were a few setups that didn't have payoffs, um, but of course you can't really turn this into a three or four hour movie. Unlike next week's movie, uh, that is a four hour movie, uh, and we'll be getting to that in just a, a minute here. But uh, overall, I think that this is a fun movie. It's it's well done. I'm a, a fan of Favreau as an actor. He's a good director. He did Elf, which is you know one of my top films. He did Swingers. Uh, he did Maid, which is uh, like Swingers' bastard cousin. Um, not, not a lot of people have seen it, but made's pretty funny. Um, I, I'm surprised Vince Vaughn actually didn't make an appearance in this. Uh, I, I know that they were, uh, they were real tight for a long time and probably still are, but, um, anyway, it's, it's a good movie. I highly recommend it. I'm going to give it six and a half permits out of 10. So it's, it's recommended. People should check it out, uh, for a, a fantasy film about the joys of entrepreneurialism with none of the downside. None of the downside. You just want to start a business and you just start it right up. What, 
What's why is this so hard? Why aren't more people doing it? Well, I think I what understand. we didn't get about the movie is that it's it's a it's an it's a libertarian utopia. There is no government in in the in the movie. There's just there's there's no permits required, and all they all they had to do was clean the truck and put some new equipment on, and they drove across the country and had great success, and they marketed on the the very open and and easy to uh, build your business on you know social media platforms that are available to us. With, with no uh, dissent being dis- stifled or no censorship. I mean, this is all perfect. well before deplatforming. This is 2014, which is ancient history. Yeah, I think you Alex take Charles that, had been uh, deplatformed by then, no? You, you take that cop scene out, that South Beach cop scene out of this movie, and this is just the most wild libertarian fantasy movie of, <laughs> of, of them just starting a business and it being amazing and everybody loving it and then no drawbacks ever and it's not hard. And all their customers <laughs> dying because there's no regulations. Yeah, they all fall down dead because <laughs> he poisons them all with his terrible food. Yeah. And he just goes from city to city, leaving a trail of dead bodies, and nobody talks about it. Nobody finds out about this poison truck at all. The market nobody doesn't regulate it. any Yelp reviews. Yeah. All, he's deleting all the Yelp reviews. He's scouring the <laughs> internet, deleting everything that says bad about him. He hires that, uh, that publicist to just delete all the videos and all the bad comments off of the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, good film. Good to talk about. Good conversation. Yeah, Jared, thank thank you so much for for suggesting this one. I knew that uh, Robert would have plenty to talk about. We we kind of went off on a tangent for like a good twenty minutes in the middle there. We tend to do that, so sorry. It's it's uh, something we do. Just I don't know. We're just not very good at this. Uh, no problem at all. I, it was fun to join you guys as it always is, and uh, I look forward to the next one as always. Yeah. Yeah, next definitely. time I want to have something new to uh, to plug on the next show. Um, I got a, I got something in the works. Uh, actually, separate from the uh, the the nuclear weapons book that I alluded to in the beginning. There's another project I got going on too that I'm excited to share with your listeners when I when it is ready. All right. Yeah, that sounds good. We're we're booked up through uh, I think June ish or so at this point. Um, but. Uh, you know, just let me know whenever yeah, that's, you're. That's only three months away. That's, I mean, hey, if every three months, that's four times a year. Um, that's that's fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely, uh, definitely have you back. Um, just l- let me know whenever you're ready and whatever movie you'd like to, like to do. Um, if, I, I, I'd be game for another Bollywood film. Honestly, I thought that one was kind of fun. Uh, that was cool. I was also thinking we could movies. return to we could return to Africa and do um, what's that Leonardo DiCaprio uh, Blood Diamond? Blood Diamond. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, 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 I'd be good for that. Yeah, probably. All right. So, Blood Diamond in uh, July or something. Yeah, and I'll let uh, I'll let you get you you do uh, American Gangster with uh, with Keith Knight. I think I think that's an appropriate one to do with him, especially since, as you say, he's not really a movie guy. He was more, but he is into gangster movies. Then that's a good reason to have him on the show, and that's a good gangster movie. Oh yeah, and there's a ton of economics in it, and and, it, and, and, a ton and Vietnam of, like, too. Like he'll have he'll have the history about the Vietnam and how like that you know there actually was drug, uh, you know, connections with with the military and and uh, the local governments there and local powerful in the caskets, there. in the yeah. caskets supposedly. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. One one final comment. Uh, Dan Reed, who we mentioned on the show, says, "Don't underestimate the seductive power of cooking." So. That's, that's scene, why he got uh, the, the hot scene chick, with, huh? uh, That's the scene Sophia Vergara and uh, okay, Scarjo. all right, all right. <laughs> that's all, all it right, takes, Mr. Reed. She she melted in that scene. That was very she she that was good acting on her part. Like 
uh, there was no no doubt that she was like, oh my gosh, yes, please cook me something. Cook me, you driver. Cook me. <laughs> <laughs> cook me, you big chef, you. <laughs> All right. So uh, so Dan Reed, of course, has uh, the Culinary Libertarian podcast. Do check that out. He's, uh, he's a good dude, and he does great interviews and uh, episodes and whatnot over there. He's been a guest with us uh, for uh, Ratatouille when Robert was out sick, and then he was also on for Mrs. Doubtfire for Father's Day last year. Did you do a, a good one for him to do with him would be Burnt with uh, um, Bradley Cooper. Oh, I haven't even heard of this. He plays a, he plays a chef that's like going for the Michelin stars. Um, okay. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good, it's pro- probably Chef, you know, the movie we're just talking about now and Burnt are my two favorite food movies. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here, Dan Reed, if you're still listening, uh, we're going to hit you up for Burnt uh, at some point in the future. So anyway, uh, speaking of the future, Robert, we're going to go back to the future and redo a movie that we did a couple of months ago, Justice League. But it's an entirely new film this time, and it's much, much longer. It is, of course, the return of the great Shaheen and the hashtag release the Snyder Cut. It's finally here. It just released today as we're recording this as I speak. And we are going to try to watch it in time to record an episode just a few short days from now. Uh, it's going to be Justice League, the Snyder Cut, next week with our friend Shaheen. Yes, the vastly, supposedly, at least visually improved. Uh, they fixed all the, the funny mustache CGI, and they fixed the the grainy like PS2 graphics. So it's supposedly, it, it looks a lot better. I can't speak to the story just yet. But uh, supposedly the remake had like a $90 million budget or $125 million budget or something crazy just, just to redo scenes and add special effects and that kind of thing. So uh, hopefully they, uh, I mean, I'm sure they're going to get a whole lot of eyeballs, a whole lot of eyeballs. Hopefully it uh, lives up to the hype. We'll see. Yeah, I can say that I have HBO Max because they said they were doing this. So and that was almost a year yeah. ago. And this is like the first time that the fans really like berated uh a movie studio to actually make something that the director was like, man, I, I had a movie, but I, I couldn't make it. And then the fans were like, make it. And then they made it. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's gonna be a lot to talk about, but uh, that mustache thing, I think that was a Whedon scene and it's gone. So it's not even fixed. The mustache It's out of here. Oh, really? I thought it was still in just fixed. No, no. From what I understand, anything Whedon shot gone. Oh, okay, cool. We'll check it out. From what I've heard, that since Whedon basically just writes banter, the new one, this movie is almost banter-free, or if there is any banter, it's all awkward and bad. So we'll see. I don't know. Eh. It's a, it's a more serious, you know. I mean, Snyder is a serious guy. He's a serious visual storyteller. So I, you can't expect too many laughing out loud moments. All right, well, I'm looking forward to it. It's probably going to take us like four or five nights to to watch the whole thing because we get about a half hour, 45 minutes into something and it's lights out. Yeah, I don't know how long it's going to take me. We'll see. Four anyway, hours. Should be, yeah, should be should be a good one though. I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I'm especially looking forward to Shaheen. Uh, he was the first person to even mention Snyder Cut to me. That was uh, a couple of years ago now. And I, I can't, I can't believe it actually worked. Um, yeah, we hypothesized about it ever actually getting made. And I think Shaheen was very much like, no, it'll never happen. But here it is. So, 
Yeah, it's the market, baby. Like they had to come up with something to like make a splash, and uh, that was a viral thing that was already happening. I, I think it made sense to jump on that. And and know. also we've got. I mean, if you've got HBO Max, we also have Godzilla versus Kong coming out soon. Is that is that on the docket too? It's not on the list, but we could add it to the list somehow. Squeeze it in. I know. I know that uh, when movies come out on HBO Max, they're only there for like a month. Yeah. And then they go away, and then they come back eventually. Yeah, so it'll be basically out for the month of April, as I understand it. It's coming at the very end of March, and it'll be out for about the month of April. So okay. we got we got some time to slide it in. All right, yeah, we'll see. We're 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 sort of like penciled in on a lot of stuff, so we'll we'll figure something out. But anyway, um, Jared, uh, last plugs for people where they can find you, and hopefully you can stick around a little bit longer. I know it's late, but we do the Kathleen Turner Overdrive for the Patreon folk, uh, even though we're already super long. <laughs> But uh, yeah, where can people find what you're doing? Uh, no problem. Um, yeah, glad to glad to stick around for a few more minutes. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I'm not really doing too much uh, publicly right now, um, but there, you know, some of my past work is still available at breakingliberty.com. Um, there's two uh, free eBooks available for download there that are uh, a libertarian commentary on AMC's hit show that's uh, Breaking Bad. Um, again, my my, my book. Uh, uh, found at breakingliberty.com um, or anarcholand.com. It was kind of my larger uh, you know, project at one point, but I've kind of put it on the back burner for now. But some of my old writings are still available to, to see there. Um, and uh, I also published uh, an article about Rwanda uh, recently at libertarianinstitute.org, um, Scott Horton's vehicle. Uh, and uh, that is titled um, The Lie of Rwanda. So I think you got a link to that back on, uh, we, 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 we did a episode on Hotel Rwanda not too long ago, um, and uh, that, that, that uh, paper that I wrote, or that essay that I wrote, was a lot of, obviously, what I brought to the, to the table for that episode. Right, yeah, and then uh, um, Paul Rusabaganya, I, I forget, is that how you say his name? He got arrested um, shortly after that. And is is now standing trial for some seemingly trumped up charges. I don't. I haven't really followed it a whole lot, but um, seems like he's been in the news again lately. Um, so maybe maybe the next time you're on, we can maybe follow up on him a little bit. That might be good. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, very good. Well, uh, everyone, I know that we're already super long, so I'll just say uh, go to our lastnighters.com slash 168 for the show notes and more for this one. You can find all the previous appearances with Jared, including Hotel Rwanda and El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, Captain Phillips and Gold. And uh, there might've been something else in there. I, I know we talked about it earlier. Anyway, uh, I'll start taking my three idiots. Um, three idiots. That's right. That's right. I take my, what, what's the uh, old man medicine used to be a, like a funny joke, like 10 years ago. Uh, what? Viagra. <laughs> good answer good answer no whammies now there's a oh senior moment senior moment i'm having senior moments you got what joe biden's got yeah bidenitis yeah yeah i got the biden uh you know you know the thing come on man come on you know the thing come on all right so yeah do the thing you know support the show man come on just uh do what you think to do and uh, give us the review on the itunes and subscribe on the youtubes throw some money uh robert's way at trubster.com uh, hit us up at the come on man uh, patreon.com slash last nighters and uh, all the rest. And we'll see you guys all next week for Zack Snyder's Snyder Cut with the great Shaheen. Uh, and uh, it'll be good. It'll be super good. So thanks again, Jared. And we'll see you guys all next week. Good night from last night, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>